Hi, this is Anna East Eden. You're listening to Hollywood and Beyond with your host, Stephen Brittingham. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, friends and listeners. This is host Stephen Brittingham. You can listen to Hollywood and Beyond anytime on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio, as well as Radio Public. Be sure to subscribe and follow the show for free so you can receive the latest episodes delivered to your favorite listening device. Hollywood and Beyond, your home for meaningful interviews. Thank you. Hi, friends and listeners. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. This is your host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening. Today on the show, my guest is the talented actress T.C. Warner. Many of you may remember her role on ABC's daytime drama, All My Children, as Kate Kelsey Jefferson. She portrayed the character between 1995 and 1998, winning a Soap Opera Digest Award for her performance. Next time. Huh? There won't be a next time. Come on, Bobby, just take him home. Which home? You are right. But everybody else is right, too. I'm just not ready to be a mom. Am I sorry? Are you ready to go back to Wildwood? He says the sooner the better. Is is it some kind of trick? He doesn't belong with me. In addition, though, she has appeared on such shows as Beverly Hills 90210, L.A. Law, Knott's Landing, and Blossom. I'm looking forward to learning more about her life and her artistic journey. Welcome to the show, T.C. Warner. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so uh, honored to be on your show, Stephen. Well, thank you so much. You are most welcome. I'm honored to be speaking with you today. Such a, a, a talented lady you are. Oh, well, thank you. And yourself as well. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, um, daytime drama. You, you definitely uh, uh, not only worked uh, on an iconic uh, soap opera, All My Children, back in the uh, 90s, but you definitely left your mark as well, and we'll definitely uh, be discussing that. But I thought before we get into your acting projects and taking a look back at those, I thought I'd ask you where you are from, and how did your interest in acting first begin? So I was born in San Francisco, California, and I was raised in Santa Fe, New Mexico. 
My interest for the acting, the bug I was bitten with, started early on when I got to see a show on stage called Annie, of, of which we all are very familiar with. And I saw how much fun she was having on stage, and I just identified with, not Little Orphan Annie, but I identified with the amount of fun that she was having on stage, and that's where I saw myself existing and, and being happy. And ever since then, it started early on when I auditioned for Silverado and it just kept going from there. I've always been in, in front, on stage and in front of the camera since I was very, very young. So I've, I've just found that space to be my play space, my safe zone, um, and to escape and be whoever, however, and whenever. So I've made sort of that, that vacation my vocation, if you will, from an early, early time. And it's always stayed with me. I've always, anything that I ever do, and anybody that knows me knows this very well, anything that I do, I always have fun doing it, no matter what it is. And my kids have learned how to exist in, in a fun world and, and make anything, even doing homework or tasks or cleaning or life hands you stuff that you just don't want to do. But if you make, make it fun, anything is, is easy to do. And for me, that space where Annie was, I was just enraptured by how much joy she was exhibiting and, and how fun it was for her to be and play in that role. And that was when I was about seven years old. So I, I was bit by the bug early on. Most definitely. And what a wonderful answer. Thank you for sharing that insight with us as well. I completely agree with you. Um, the character of Annie, despite her circumstances, well, full of life, full of joy, um, you know, and, and that's wonderful, TC, to take that approach with um, everyday chores or maybe tasks that we're doing, like you mentioned, homework. Um, I can completely uh, relate to that because for a guy, TC, I'm pretty good at cleaning. So, uh, and you know what? I actually enjoy it because I usually listen to some music, I get a lot done, and I make it a fun experience. Well, good for you. I think that Anything is possible as long as you make it fun and, and worth your time. Absolutely. Although I must give my grandmother, who raised me, all the credit because I basically learned um, not only all my cleaning skills from her, but so many other things. The list is very long, so I definitely wanted to give her the credit. And, and th that is very interesting, TC. I have noticed, uh, speaking with um, so many uh, amazing people in the industry, that many of us have um, d a similar experience like you had. There was a film or a character that seemed to uh, influence them and, and begin their interest in acting. And um, for me, it was the original Muppet movie, that opened my eyes. I saw it in the theater with my grandfather, who also raised me. My grandparents raised me. And I remember leaving the theater, seeing a rainbow in the sky, because it had rained earlier, and the sun was out. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I could go to Hollywood one day, too. Aww. 
sweet. <laughs> and for you, it was Annie, and that's just wonderful. And well, I did read something interesting when I was um, learning more about your background, and I don't know if it's completely true, but I thought I would ask you. And that is that I read that you did not have a television in your household growing up. So I was raised by a mother who was very academically driven, very behind learning uh, literature and being outside and getting your hands in the mud and being a kid. So having a television, she had a TV in her room, which we could watch PBS every once in a while, but there was no TV in the house that we actually all sat down and watched. And, And the interesting thing is, is that, my husband grew up, and he is very into to football and stuff like that, and he's very into watching the news. And, and it's not there, – there's a strong difference in being driven to sit down in front of the TV and stuff like that versus um, just being able to relax and, and or go out and be creative, use your imagination, build the things with twigs. Who cares? But to go out and play and just be be a kid instead of immersed by television. So no, and I I wasn't raised in front of the television. We didn't have a television that we could all sit in front of and and so forth. Um, and I I think that that has stayed with me because it's not a natural thing for me to sit down in front of the television even with my own two kids we'll sit down and play with them we'll play blocks we'll do legos we'll go outside the house that we live in now there's an outside play yard that looks like a park it's just there's trails there's everything everything is outdoors and or about play and experience and learning things by um through being outside and or playing things, not in front of the TV and and things like that. So, no, I was more into reading books, and, and that stayed with me. I'm very strong on where my kids go to school and what kind of ed- education they get, and it's super important to me, and it, it's, it's paying off. Um, I don't know what else to say about it other than I, my imagination is still you know, as crazy as ever. And my kids' imaginations uh, beat me by far. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, that's very interesting to hear about all of that, because despite everything, you became an actress. So there's kind of an ironicness to this story. But you touched on so many important elements. I I just have to commend you for that. Um, I really think that it's about balance, which it just seems to be a word that's not focused on very much these days. I I think it's great to appreciate um, watching, you you know, your favorite television program or several programs, but it's also important to get out there and do other things. And when you find that right balance, I mean, it. you have healthier results, and, and I think that's key. Um, and playing outside, let me tell you, at a young age, it doesn't seem to happen quite as much these days, unfortunately. But when I grew up in the 80s, me and my friends that I grew up with, we were outside all the time. And, and then on the weekends or in the evenings, I would be discovering my joy of acting. So I kind of had that balance as far as my background goes. But I have to commend you for all that you mentioned, and I think that's wonderful. You're encouraging their imagination. Uh, that's just outstanding. And um, So uh, what about early training for uh, 
your acting career? Was this in high school oh, or college? Uh, this was, I, I, at a very young age, I went to Stevens College, Perry and Mansfield, and um, I, I've been to acting, you know, singing, dancing camps all throughout, from music to hummingbird camp, uh, you know, you name it. I was always in um, one thing or another to do with anything on stage, in front of a camera, and then, of course, when I got into college, it was behind the camera. I, my my undergrad was in film, producing, writing, directing, uh, editing, and sound. And and then I I went on to get my master's so in business administration, which is another story. Um, but I've I've always always been in an acting class, and I believe that you know, I just got out of an eight week run of an acting class in New Mexico that was, was really wonderful. And it's, it's just something that you always have to be honing your craft. You can't drop the ball and take anything. You can't get relaxed about it because if you do, there's a healthy competition right around the corner that's going to be better at you, better than you. And, and you've just got to continue honing your craft. There's no dropping the ball on that one. And I've, I've seen it happen and there's, for me, I think all of the training and the education that goes behind acting, whether you see a, a lot of the very well-known singers out there are able to do ballet and gymnastics. and I mean, everything is honed around the craft, and there's a lot of different aspects that touch upon the, the craft, whichever focus it is. If it's singing, it doesn't mean that dancing is eliminated. It means that dancing is supportive of it. So there's, if it's not the acting, it's also doing character studies. It's writing. It's doing all that. And, and I still do that even with my kids. We write children's stories together. And they use their imaginations and the characters that they create are things that in at their age and in their mindset and having their imagination and creativity stimulated by making these stories come alive. And, and we've got all a whole set of characters that my kids and I, either we read a book, we'll trade it off. We read a book or we read a book or we write a book. And I tape record the stories so that I'm compiling them into children's books. And it's a whole different way of making the experience come alive and living life to the fullest of being in the moment with the kids and, and feeding their creativity and seeing from their eyes what they, what their fears are, what, what makes them happy, what makes them sad and, and all that good stuff to learn more about them and see where their life is taking them. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I don't, I don't think that the learning of the actual craft, wherever that focus is, ever stops. And if it stops, that means that a large part of being bitten by the bug has, has subsided. No, I completely agree with you. Um, training is just so vital to not only acting, but like you mentioned, singing, dancing, uh, the craft, whatever that might be. Um, I'll tell you what, it uh, keeps you not only sharp as, a, as an actor, but you learn so much about yourself, don't you, TC? When you leave an acting class, absolutely, you, you learn so oh, much. Yeah. 
and and acting it's it's an ongoing adventure and journey and i th- i think your an- answer is just wonderful and and i have to commend you for what you said as well um describing all that you you did the activities with your uh, children because you are encouraging their imagination and i think that is very important and wonderful I absolutely agree. I think it's a vital part of them growing up and and experiencing life as it should be and as free and fun as it should be. And, you know, I hope that that, that never dies in them. I hope it always is fed and and is, is never taken away from them. Well, I'm sure that it will stay with them, no doubt about it. And I liked what you also mentioned, which was being in the moment. Because in such a, a fast-paced world at times, and all of the distractions, you know, for parents, it's not always easy to stay within the moment. But I think if we do our best to do that, uh, the results are wonderful. And I really, really commend you for your approaches. I think it's uh, just wonderful. Um, let me ask you, TC, um, you mentioned um, uh, the benefits of training. Have you come across actors, though, that just don't seem very interested in training? And does that always, um, I mean, does that surprise you when you uh, come across an actor such as that? I'm I'm trying to think of one actor that I've connected with that has not been interested in training, and really no one comes to mind. Um, That's what I was thinking. Most actors, they, they want to train. They, they do. Most of them do. There, early on in my career, there was there were several people that I don't even remember their names. They they didn't uh, stick in my memory or in my heart for very long. Obviously, if I didn't remember their name, but there there was some early on in Hollywood that just said, "I just want to be famous," or "I just want to." Um, I just want to do a Rice Krispies commercial. Who knows? You know, something to be on TV and to, and, and I, I really saw that as maybe they were trying to fill part of their ego. And, and it, it may be that, that they were diff, bit by a different bug, if you will. It wasn't a, it wasn't the same bug that I was bitten by because there's a lot of passion behind what I do. It, uh, small role, big role, doesn't matter. It, it, really has no relevance because I put passion behind everything that I do, but I don't, I don't know. And I, I just remember these conversations in, in brief moments. In other words, they didn't uh, stay in my life very long. It's not that I push them aside. It's just maybe they realized that they were there for their ego and maybe they found it somewhere else. Um, but I, I never really ran into any actors that I've ever worked with that didn't believe in the training and rehearsal and discovery and character study and right. um, learning what the beats and the moments and the intentions of the character that they were portraying would be. I don't. I really don't know that I've ever come across any like that. Well, I'm actually Honestly. very pleased to hear that. That's good. And I'll tell you what, uh, an actor, especially uh, early on in their career, but definitely that it never stops, actually. When you think of all of the talented people that you might work with and how you could have an audition 
in the next hour or the next day, and it might be a big-time audition, and you might be uh, auditioning with very skilled actors or working with already very established uh, skilled actors. You really have to be ready, don't you? You do. You have to be. You have to be on your toes, and and uh, there's <laughs> there's no other way to say it other than preparation and 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 do your do your homework. Yes. Do your stuff. And have passion there's, because there's a, you and I have a lot in common. Yes, there's a, a, <laughs> a saying. It may be it may be who you know that gets you there, but it's what you know that keeps you there. Absolutely. And I think that, that that saying is true in any facet of a business. It doesn't matter if you are a lawyer or – it doesn't matter. It, it's almost irrelevant because it may be who you know that gets you there, but it's what you know that keeps you there. Absolutely. And so guess what? You Your connections you can help you. But when you get the audition, <laughs> guess what? It's up to you, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. And and we must think an awful, uh, 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 think alike in many ways, I should say, because I'll tell you what, being an extra small role or a big role, it's just all so much fun and enjoyable and challenging. And and I think you have a wonderful approach with all of that. And well, I'll tell you what, before you... um, uh, would uh, arrive to uh, Pine Valley on All My Children, you were appearing on all kinds of uh, television shows on primetime. Yes, I did a, a good body of work, and during that body of work, I was also, um, well, about halfway through that body of work, I started to go to film school and and get my, my undergrad. So, I mean, I I started in college at a very young age, 16 but i um i also it's ingrained in me to education is everything and if it's not continually being in an acting class or working with directly with a coach it's whatever works for the situation there's a lot of situations where the actors are either on set for six months at a time and can't they can't attend class maybe they're in czechoslovakia i don't know doesn't matter, but they can't really attend class or the filming conflicts with it, then they have a private coach or for whatever reason, they're still honing their craft. And during that, what, what is the saying? If you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. Um, during a lot of those shows, I was still, I was going to school and I was doing acting classes. I went to the young actor space where a lot of good actors came out of. And there's a lot of good training that I have under my belt. I've studied with Lawrence Park. I've, I've studied with a lot of really good people. And I, um, and I have to say that if I wasn't doing the homework necessary for the roles, I would never have gotten any one of those roles. I would not have booked any one of them. Because keep in mind that I, I had one credit on my resume when I went out to Los Angeles. I didn't have a body of work or a network of people. I knew no one. I knew no one. I just went to, I attended acting classes and I started submitting for an agent. I read the backstage, the, all the, 
things. I submitted my headshots. I did what everybody told me one should do because nobody really knew, and a lot of people out there did have connections that I didn't. So coming from knowing no one and and uh, being in a place that I didn't know, I just kept one after the other, kept doing my homework, kept studying, going to school, and no matter what, I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And you went to college at 16? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, what was it like for you when you think back? I assume this was the early 90s that you arrived to Los Angeles. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Well, guess what? (laughs) We may have passed each other by because I also arrived in the early 90s. Um, So I kind of know what it was like out there as far as the atmosphere and and all that. I also know what it's like to arrive to a city you've never been to before, at least for me. It was the first time there. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, though... It can be uh, quite an experience, can it, TC, when you first arrived to Los Angeles and you're really starting to get adjusted to everything? Because Los Angeles really is a one-track-minded town. Yes, it is. And I remember one story is I I was working at a, a 50s diner, and the reason why I was working there was not only because I needed the money, but I... I was a hostess, and I just want, I loved 50s music. I loved to, <laughs> to, to dance to the 50s music, so all I wanted to do was just be the hostess and, and seat people at their tables and stuff like that. And, and the manager there, I said, I have to go. I, I, I can't come in. I have to go for an audition. You know, well, the audition started coming in, and, and he finally looked at me, and, and he said, well, if you're going to miss this much work and, and you want to be an actress, just go act. And I looked at him and I said, well, I definitely don't want to be a hostess for the rest of my life. So I guess that answers this question. And I left. <laughs> wow. And, <laughs> and, um, and it was just, it was conflicting with the work that, that they wanted me to do as a hostess, but you know, you get yes. your priorities in order and when you just have to pray and keep doing your homework and, and things wind up where they're supposed to be. Well, it's not I, easy, I, is I it? I do remember that. No, it's not. It's it's very difficult, and and certainly having a family and and trying to keep yourself in in a good place is it 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 does put a little bit of a another obstacle. I mean, you already have obstacles going in, facing that it's a very tough career to to take a stab at. Um, and there's enough competition, and there's enough you know, stuff out there that can tell you maybe this is not the path to go. But that doesn't, it has never killed my passion, that has never steered me away from it. My drive and my passion, my energy for it towards any character that I'm handed is always 100%. So it's, it, it's never steered me away. There's been a lot of no's in my life. How many auditions that I've gone to that I've gotten a no? I just go, I do the audition, and then I leave it alone. I don't focus on it. I don't obsess over it, wonder what people thought, this, that, and the other. Could I have done it this way? Could I have done it that way? I just put 100% behind it, do it, and I'm done. And then it's their job to choose me. If I'm the right fit, they're the ones to choose. I have nothing to do with it. That's their choice. And that's the one thing that's kept me sane is knowing that I'm not the decision maker in that one. 
So leave myself out of it. That's an excellent approach. It certainly takes a lot of the uh, pressure and anxiety that an actor might feel after an audition if they nitpick every moment. Um, so I think that that's actually a very good and wise approach. Um, and well, thank you. Your description of all that you had to do when you first arrived to Hollywood and to Los Angeles. You know, I've told people this often who are not in the industry that being an out-of-work actor is actually a full-time job. Oh, yes. The business behind the business, yes, of course. And then the struggle of having a, a um, let's just say, for lack of a better word, a day job or a regular type of job, not in the industry, like you were a hostess, uh, it can cause mm-hmm. issues with scheduling, like you just uh, described. And and that's why so many actors maybe wait tables in the evening because they need those daytime hours free. But guess what, TC? If they get an audition at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and they're scheduled, they have an issue, don't they? Of course, it's a balancing act, as life is in general. It doesn't. There's a balancing act in every aspect of any business, and if you don't have, if you don't learn how to do the balance, it, there's no industry that you're going to make it in. Now, the acting business is one that will teach you how to balance and and how to be clever about it without um, harming yourself or anybody around you. Because it, it's a real true, it's a true test of how do you do the balancing act. Well, the the hostessing job was during the day, and so that was conflicting with audition times, and um, and so that wasn't working out. Of, of course, other jobs came into play, and I was also going to school full time and taking acting classes. So, try try going to school full time, taking acting classes, and doing. Those shows, such as 90210 and, and the pilots that came about, the TV movies that would take three weeks at a time, every, everything has to, you have to prioritize and you have to focus, 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 as well as keeping up on your education. You can't drop that one. If you drop that, then you're, all you're doing is you're spreading yourself exceedingly thin and you're, you're showing up with a craft that's, uh, a half measure, if you will. Well, I'll tell you what, when you um, uh, appeared on Beverly Hills 90210, a show that uh, mm-hmm. very popular, of course, and helped propel the Fox television network, uh, along with other shows like The X-Files and, and The Simpsons. So if you go back to that time, Fox was kind of on the rise, and 90210 was a big part of their ongoing success down the road. But let's go mm-hmm. back to the day that you got the audition for the show. Um, what was that uh, experience like for you? So for 90210, I think I, I at that time I was back up against doing a TV movie at the time. And I, I went in, as I always do, I create a pattern of rehearse, study, and rehearse, study, rehearse, study, focus, clean my plate of everything before the audition, go in, do the audition, and then leave it be. And so my agent had called me, and she said, you got the part. And I said, okay, great. Which part? <laughs> 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 I didn't, you lost I, my, track, my huh? head was crazy. 
Oh, all right, uh, TV movie or nine hundred two and zero. What? Where are we? What are we? Where am I? Where am I going? Who am I playing? And and she said for nine hundred two and zero. And then went yes, yay! <laughs> Part of why I was happy was because I that the actual studio was close by, and you know what it's like driving in L.A. Was, oh, sure do. It, you have to really plan it's ahead. At least, you really do, and and it, the studio being close by me, I I was I was ecstatic that it, I didn't have to do the preparation rehearsal in my head and spend two or three hours before going to set, um, only to spend at least minimum an hour fighting traffic to get there. Sure. And uh, so I was I was ecstatic about it. I already had all the lines memorized, and little did I know that it was a recur and there was going to be several more episodes. So yes. I did clear my clear my plate for uh, several weeks there. And um, I remember walking in, and uh, all the the actors on the set were really nice and very humble and greeted me. And I, you know, I was sort of nervous because I hadn't been in such an ensemble situation before. But they all treated each other equally. <clears throat> remember, it was I think Jason Priestley was playing, and Ian Zeely, and they were playing basketball in the hallway or something. And it was a basket that, obviously, in a hallway, it's not as high as normal basketball court. I went, wow, I can actually play that basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, a game wow. I can play in a, a shorter person's environment. And, yes. And they were running lines and and being friendly with each other. And and the uh, the feeling on the set was was very welcoming. Tori Spelling was really, really nice, and Gabrielle Cateris, and uh, everybody was really wonderful on the show. They were just, they were nice, and they were humble. They weren't, I don't know, blocked well, off, if you will. Yes. Isolated. I think that's uh, wonderful to hear. It really is. Yeah. And it was, your it was great was... working with them. Oh, I bet. You, um... When I've um, watched clips of you uh, uh, on the show, uh, did an outstanding mm-hmm. job, and you had a lot of energy, and um, you know, have this wonderful, unique look that I think that you have. And I, I, but when I watched it, I kept thinking, you know, th- she could have kind of stuck around even longer. Oh, I would love to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, we're not talking Pulitzer Prize here. Howard, you wouldn't know a Pulitzer Prize from a prize point. Would you guys just relax? How do you expect to put a paper out every week if you're going to argue about every single layout? You know, they kind of remind me of you and Brandon. Not me. Brandon, maybe, but... uh... Brandon, maybe what? Uh, Brandon, maybe covering the school board meeting tonight. Forget it. Come on, Brandon. It's the last one. Do it for all time's sake. I'll tell you what, you do it for old time's sake, and I'll stay home and feel guilty. Or better yet, why don't you give it to one of the juniors here? You know, pass the torch. No can do. I'm covering track and field finals at Marshall this afternoon. And I've got an interview for a summer job. Go on, Brandon. It's the last chance you can at least pretend you care about the fate of this school. Oh, I care. Great. It's settled. Here's the agenda, 7.30. Don't be late. Get out of here. <laughs> and then have that happen. But you know what? You made the best of your opportunity. 
um, and that's a wonderful thing. And I remember the character was involved in some sort of student protesting. Was that correct? Yes, we're uh, Donna Martin graduates. There, they were voting her to not graduate. So I led the junior class out for the outside rally um, to to get her get the school board to graduate her. Yes. So I, I was the uh, what the junior editor of the newspaper with Jason and. And Gabrielle Cateras. Yes. Well, um, you know, uh, when you work with one or two actors, that's one thing. But uh, I'll tell you what, you're working with a whole bunch at one time. And uh, what do you think is the most challenging thing when you have so many people in one scene? Um, you know, is there a certain type of approach that you took uh, that's different than when you only have one or two actors that you're working with in a scene? Yes, it's a- You've got to completely stay in the moment, not that you don't have to stay in the moment when there's only one character, but you also have to understand and try and depict what all of the other characters are are feeling, because acting is reacting, and if you've only got one person to react off, it's a lot more simple than four or five people to react off of. Each person, each character has their own intentions and their own subset of emotions that are existing in the equation and if you don't pay attention to each and every one you're going to miss a moment which could be the the point of the scene and i know that has much to do with the director watching over but it's your job as an actor to to react not project if you will so if you have more than one person in a scene and and you do understand that the scene is not all about you then you can you can bounce off of and react off of whatever becomes of the moment and that that varies from one take to the next because whatever your perception is of one actor in in one take it might be you might realize something or learn something new the next take so it's it, it takes a lot of rehearsal to try and pick that through and not do a lot of projection, which is a bad habit of what actors do. When I say this, I'm going to do this. That's not the point. It's almost as if a a film is supposed to be a story told through pictures. In other words, the picture is supposed to be able to tell the story. It's not an, an audio book. We're not, um, we're not going that route. When you're on TV and film, it's as if the words are much like real life. What we're saying is what we're not really saying. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So it's reading through, reading through and reacting to, if somebody says, hello, how are you? Are they really asking you how you're doing? Because if they want an honest answer, I'm liable to keep them at the grocery store line for about 30 <laughs> minutes and tell them how I'm doing. No, that's not what they're asking. They're really just saying, hi, I'm recognizing that you're standing here and I'm acknowledging you, paying you some respect, period. And you say, I'm very well, thank you. In other words, thank you for acknowledging me. How are you? There's a lot of subcontext that's going on under the words that are being said. And the writing on 90210 was done really, really well so that a lot of that was relayed. 
and it's a balancing act for the writers as well because they've got to be able to, if somebody's not watching the facial expressions and body, um, physical aspects of what the characters are doing, they need to hear exactly what's happening in the scene. So it's a balancing act, difficult one for the writers to do as well. So it's got a whole bunch of different levels. I mean, he's got a whole bunch of different people in the scene of who says this when, then you've, you've got to really be locked into the moment of what's really happening. What's the truth behind the words being said? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I tell you what, if there are some uh, individuals out there listening to this interview now that are early on in their career, I'll tell you what, you're giving them some beneficial um, uh, advice or perspective, I should say, most definitely, and um, just wonderful answers. And that cast, the 90210 cast, they really worked so well together, and you got to experience that firsthand. And thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of uh, a, a large cast that worked well together, and, and that would be the cast of L.A. Law, and um, a show that I always enjoyed years ago, and I was always fascinated by the cases. It was like they were trying to uh, say, hey, uh, you know, uh, this is a different type of story we're doing, and this is, um, you know, making the viewer think about their, their cases, at least for the majority of them. And what was your experience like um, appearing on L.A. Law? No, I got to work with Blair Underwood on that one. <laughs> uh, Mark, yeah, Mark Tinker and, and, and the, everybody on that. I mean, you want to talk about top-level professional people. Everybody from, it, it didn't matter if you were a, a gaffer or makeup artist or uh, producer, director, writer. Everybody on that show was just top-notch. You couldn't get more qualified people in, in one setting. And and the funny thing about LA Law is that happened what was it? Remember the ninety four remember the ninety four Northridge earthquake? I sure do, yes. So I <laughs> I was actually in a hotel in Century City where where the LA Law was going to be shooting on stage and that morning was the earthquake and all the lights went out, the power went out. I mean, the earthquake is a whole other conversation. But long story short, I call my agent and I say, uh, um, is, are, are we still shooting today? And she said, TC, the walls are down at the studio. You have no studio to go to. <laughs> so they had to rearrange where they were going to shoot. And I think that first day that, the shoot had been canceled, and then I think it was a Monday or something. I can't remember. Anyway, um, and and these guys didn't. An earthquake can't stop these guys. They're such pros. They they went on, and the the wonderful thing about that show is every single character has such a strong definition to it that they all come, not that nobody comes from nowhere, everybody comes from somewhere, everybody's got a history, everybody's got a past, find out what that past is. Well, my character's past was was pretty in-depth, and they were able to portray that and build sympathy into a situation that, uh, if it was just a story written in black and white, it may not have been conveyed as strongly as as it was as is every L.A. Law story. 
Mm-hmm. The writers on that show are just, they, they can't be beat. They're just so top notch. And they, they're able to bring every single character such a strong life and build a lot of empathy and sympathy and compassion and all these dynamics in there that at the end of the day, even if it's a murder, you still feel like, well, I don't know if I want them to go to jail because you love them, even though they right. killed someone. It's, it, they've just got such a way of, of writing strong characters with deep definitions and really, really lengthy, in-depth backgrounds that can't be beat, that their stories always come across just riveting, captivating. And so it was an honor to work on that show. And, um, and the actors and directors and everybody behind it was just such a memorable experience that I would, any one of those people called me today and said, hey, do you want to do this? I'd say yes before I even asked what it is. Wow, and that's saying Just to be able something. to work with them again. Yeah, they really, they know their stuff. They're very, very, very strong. Very polished, no doubt about it. You know, we're talking about uh, excellence in your work uh, and with your approach as acting, and that's a perfect example. And and you mentioned those wonderful and creative scripts. Um, I just, and the energy of the show, the the direction, and what a combination Mm -hmm. of dramedy and comedy. TC, the L.A. Law hat. It could catch you off guard <laughs> with comedy, but boy, it could uh, pull the heartstrings the very next scene. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I noticed that you also appeared on uh, Married with Children and, and Blossom, and I was just wondering what that experience was like for you. Okay, so you want to hear a funny story, and I'll try and be short about it. I kept running into this this producer guy who, keep in mind, I didn't know anybody out in Los Angeles when I first went out there. I meet a, a guy, an, uh, an older guy who calls himself a producer. We'll just call him producer for now um, because it, in the end his name had changed so many times from living off credit cards or changing his name for who knows why. So this producer guy... I meet it at an ATM, and he says, oh, what are you, where are you from, blah, 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 what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing acting, blah, blah, And he says, you know what you should do? You should do this. You should do this, but don't, don't ever, you're far from a bimbo. Don't ever read for any bimbo roles, like anything like, you know, just dumb bimbo roles or anything of the sitcom type, like Married with Children. So I went, oh, Okay. Obviously, this guy doesn't know what acting is. (laughs) I went out. I got an audition for Married with Children. And I went, I am going to get this role. If I ever run into that guy again, (laughs) mm, I'm going to tell You know, at at that time, if he said, don't don't ever read for, uh, you know, an African-American, I'd say, all right, that's it. I'm going out for every African-American role there is. Anyway, so I run into him again. He says, TC, I can't believe I saw you on Married with Children. I never thought that you would ever, ever play on, on a role with Married with Children. Good job. Wouldn't expect that. And then oh. comes, uh, you know what? Because I've, <laughs> I've still never done drugs and stuff like these. Don't ever read for, like, the drug prostitute or anything like that. Drugged out drug addict, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. 
again, this guy obviously doesn't know what acting is. <laughs> so I went out and I, I did Relentless 3 and, and several other yes. TV movies. Because, you know, a lot of those TV movies are all about um, families falling to pieces because of either drugs or some, something terrible happening. Anyway, run, run into him again. Well, hi. Now I can't believe that I saw you in, in uh, this movie and, and that movie as, as a teenage runaway and this and that and the other and drugged up. Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it looked so real and whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, but you know what? Don't just stay away from the, the soap opera thing. You know, that, that's far from... That's something, those girls are just all bombshell, beautiful, this and that and the other. And, and so I said, all right, all right. Sure enough, after a while, I had, I had auditioned for almost all the soap operas. And I never went down the line all the way except for, I think, three of them I went to network on. And after a while, it was it was like, yeah, maybe, you know what, maybe he's right. Maybe I am not soap opera material. I get to all my children. I go, great. Trip to New York City. I'm in. Let's go play. Get up there. I go in. Sit, do whatever you think the character would do. And so I went in and sweats and no makeup. You know, she was, she had run away from home. She was pregnant and uh, she was searching for the the birth father uh, who didn't remember her, let alone creating the child with her. And uh, and so I went up there and I, I I did it and I was done with the going to network and all that. Went off to New York City, went and played and and did stuff like that. Cause I had some friends in New York City. Anyway, I come back to. Uh, LA and I'm finishing up my, my senior project. Um, and my phone rings and they say, you got the part. And I, at this point, I, cause my rule is I'm done with the audition. I've done my job. Leave it alone. Don't, don't think about it. I said, what part? <laughs> <laughs> they said, all my children. And I thought, I haven't auditioned for Married with Children, and I didn't know that they were pulling my character back. And they went, no, all my children, not Married with Children. And I went, oh, my gosh, wait a second. That's not right around the corner from my house. That's New York City. And they said, yes, you're moving to New York City. Wow. Talk about a balancing act. I was still finishing my senior project, and... I said, well, how can I go to New York City and still finish my senior project out here? So the first month of, of running the show on All My Children, um, I had to fly back each weekend, and all the crew on my senior project had to meet and shoot on the weekends. I had to completely rearrange my, my final uh, film project to coordinate around shooting with All My Children. And the interesting thing about All My Children is it's the first couple of weeks, those episodes, all I was wearing was a green sweatsuit. <laughs> so I really didn't have to show up in, in makeup or, or wardrobe. My, my suit was very simple. 
It was the only green sweatsuit on the rack, and that was mine. (laughs) (laughs) Easy to find your costume. My costume was the easiest one. (laughs) Easiest one, yes. And most comfortable one, mind you. Yes, there's benefits to that. I didn't have... Yes, I didn't have the diamond jewelry hanging from the ears and the (laughs) hair done perfectly. I was in a ponytail and sweat. (laughs) And that was me. That was my introduction to the soap opera world. And what an introduction it was, having to move across the country, no less to to arrive uh, uh, to Pine Valley, so to speak, and... Uh, wow, lots of talented individuals that um, was a part of that cast at the time, no doubt about it. Yes, absolutely. You couldn't... Those actors are the hardest working actors I have ever come across in my entire life. I have never met more focused group of people in my entire life. We would would rehearse, we would um, do everything... The cast and crew of All My Children is it was a big trust experience for me because I had never been given such a luxury to work with such a talented group of people. The writers, the producers, the directors, the editors, the casting, everybody was a very delicate balancing act of serious acting. You did not get a second take. You did not get a second chance. What they rolled on film was going to roll on air. So you better have your craft up to top speed in about a matter of two seconds. There is no second take. There is no, oops, can we do that again? Or, you know what, I wasn't really comfortable. Or no room for that. It was that camera's rolling that what you taped is what you aired. And there was days that... I, I was front burner storyline, and the writers were so good and so wonderful. There's, I mean, they were incredible. Lorraine Broderick and her team with Megan McTavish, and I mean, just everybody was hands down. If you asked them a question, you got the top best answer, the strongest answer to make you and and make sure that the entire show was the best. That episode was just as important as the next one. That one scene was just as important as the next one. And they were rolling through at Mach 10. They didn't have time for somebody who wanted to take a break or just wanted to relax for a minute. And I was, I was more accustomed to coming from these TV movies that would take, I don't know, a TV movie was maybe an hour and a half, 90-minute run, and we were shooting an hour a day. And that would take three weeks for the TV movie. It would be a day an episode for the soap opera. So they did not have time to mess around. There was no room for mistakes. You had to know your craft. You had to know your lines. You had to be completely ready to go. There was no messing around. So there was no, there was no messing around when it came to rehearsals or doing your acting. And Tonya Berezin was the, was the acting coach on that show. You got five seconds of her time on any one given scene. You were ready to go. They had nothing but top-notch people in there. They didn't have time to mess around. They didn't have time for second best. They didn't have time for a second take. It was, you are going and you are done. 
And that's where that training really starts to pay off, a situation like that in particular. It did, especially when you're memorizing 40 pages a day and you're working 16, 18 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You've got to be 1,000% dedicated or you're going to be gone in a heartbeat. This because is true. they don't have time for that. They don't have time. They don't have the bandwidth. They, you know, for whatever happened, life throws you a curve. There's just no time for the production to be up and going and to be successful. There is no time. You have well, to be I, on your toes and ready to go. I have a, a deep love and an admiration for actors who have worked on daytime or continue to do so. And um, when I first arrived to uh, Hollywood myself, TC, I studied uh, with an acting coach whose only topic was just that how to work on a daytime soap opera as far as techniques, w- what it would be mm-hmm. like. And you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Uh, what you just described is what she uh, would emphasize in the class, that you have got to be prepared for yes. um, working with such talented people who are uh, on a tight schedule and, and you've really got to uh, do your homework and, and, and be in the moment. You've got to you've got to really focus on 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 your job at hand and and I tell you what TC mm-hmm. now you've been around so many people that worked um, on all my children but but of course your own experience but don't you think that one of the joys for an actor who maybe would enjoy appearing on a daytime drama if you're on there for any considerable length of time. The interesting experience is that you get to portray one character, but this character is going through so many different emotions, and uh, the emotional growth of the character has to be a really fascinating experience for an actor. It does, and, it, you know, there's, there's, in order to have an episode a day and be front burner, if that character doesn't have the, the deepest and the strongest background, it's going to die off pretty quick, and the story is going to go nowhere very fast. So my character had uh, a lot. I, I built and built and built from what the writers had given me. I mean, I asked for everything they had on this character in addition to what I put so that there's so many layers to my character that, that the writing could go in any which direction. Um, and, and that's what was one of the blessings about Kelsey is that she had been, she had been developed for 18 years before I came on board. Nobody had ever seen her. There was something like 3,000 uh, people had auditioned for this role. And why did I get it? One of the reasons why I, I believe that I got it was I understood how deep this character went. And I wasn't afraid to go there. I, I did not play any superficial element of that character. She had everything from extreme happiness to extreme sadness to extreme anger to extreme bliss to she just went in every single direction. And why did she go there? What was in the background that drove her there? What created that character? Why was this character so spoken about for 18 years, but nobody saw her? Nobody really knew anything about her. So I went straight to Lorraine Broderick, and, and this is when Agnes Nixon was on board. Um, and she, they sat down and said, tell, you tell us what you perceive just from the scenes that you've done. 
of this character. And, and I said, this and that and the other. There was maybe two things that they said, well, she, it didn't go this way. It kind of went this way, meaning they did a lot more work on the background, obviously, than I did, being that they're the writers and, and that's what they do. But we, I was able to see how deep this character actually went and why she had such an existence, such a life and so many different dynamics to her. What drove her to even say the word hello? And how would she say hello? How did she feel about saying hello to a person who walked right in the room? Was, you know, there's, there's 50 million ways to say hello. Exactly. What would drive her to even say that? And that's, that's being, keeping it simple. But then many layers of the character were why... I, w- I was the one chosen because I saw that. I didn't think that she was trying to be a bombshell beauty. I didn't think that she was um, anything to, you know, any other of the stereotypical surface-level characters of what society thought, thought of daytime actors and, and or the characters that they portrayed. I looked at her more of the deepest character around, somebody that could make you laugh so hard you pee in your pants and cry so hard you never wanted to see daylight again kind of thing. So what drives that type of a character and who is she, even though she's maybe only in one scene for the day? She's still got all of those elements behind her. There was one day, talking about being on your toes, there was one day, it was a very bad snow day, and some of the actors could not physically make it into the set, not only because the roads were blocked or the trains were stopped or the cars weren't able to make it through, but I lived right around the studio. So I came in and they literally handed me three scripts as 120 pages that we had to shoot that day. I had to learn those lines before going on. Now, if I didn't have enough character study behind me, none of that would have come out well at all. It would have just been me spewing lines out and doing the writers a severe injustice. But I knew enough about the character that I could find the drive behind what was being said and what, the, what my character was doing. Even acting to the point where I was acting with people that weren't even in the scene, and they came back and they filmed them, which is not really ever done in daytime. But it was, you know, it was one of those tests of, okay, you've got 120 pages. Can you do this today? At 6 a.m. until probably about 11 p.m., we did it. Wow. I'll yeah. tell you what. What a story. Thank you for sharing all of that. If that doesn't put the fear and people, um, um, you know, overlooking the benefits of character preparation, I don't know what will. Because, wow, like really, you said, this- you had to know your character first. You have to, and if you're not if you're not in direct communication with the writers and and all of the people behind making it all all the magic happen, you don't have a good support system going in, and you're not going to look good going out. And you know the difference that prime time will spend up to a, a week working on one script in many cases, but on a show like All My Children or other daytime programs, uh, they're mm-hmm. doing a whole script in one day. And that, and that is yeah. amazing, and that just that just is a reminder of how talented these individuals are, um, and and all that they bring to their characters. Uh, you just have to really show them the respect they deserve. Uh, 
Yes. I, I agree, and I think that a lot of the daytime actors, not that there's a whole lot of uh, primetime actors that, that aren't this way, but I, I think humble is is a large part of the equation in a survival aspect of there's, there's an, <coughs> excuse me, there's not a lot of room for ego. And one just watching daytime would think, wow, these people must have, limos just driving them everywhere and serving them spoon hand feeding them breakfast on a daily basis no these people are hard working and they're very collaborative in all of their efforts and they're very humble because there's no room for egos in that kind of an environment if you're on on a, a shoot in daytime your ego has no space there's it's no a room family for it. isn't it the, you're walking into it, a family it, you you are. You're walking into a family with a whole lot more dynamics than any family you ever meet or exist in. Well, I'll tell you what. I uh, really am enjoying these uh, memories that you are sharing today. I really appreciate it. Um, and I have to tell you, you, you did an outstanding job. Um, so many scenes come to mind that I viewed. Um, I'm very impressed with, with the work that you did. And I know that one of the stories that was um, a big-time story involved an adoption. And that had to be uh, a, a very emotional for you and challenging as an actress, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I have two adopted kids. Is this such the, uh, the, the strangeness of life? I, in the storyline with all my children, I gave up my child for adoption. The child was, and I think whenever any adoption situation comes around, it's never because a little perfect Susie went off to perfect Aunt Jane's house for nine months vacation and came back a little pudgy. You know, adoption is a very open subject nowadays, and and it certainly does involve the focus of where that baby would be best placed. Uh, If the birth mother is not a good fit and the birth mother realizes it, much like Kelsey did in, in All My Children, it's the doing the right thing as hard as it can be. That's That was her own child. As young as she was, her focus at that time was not the child and that's not in the best interest of the child to put it in the arms of somebody who will unconditionally love it, focus on it a thousand percent and give everything that they got to that child is where the focus was. And that's the crux of, of the scenario in many adoption situations. Kelsey's didn't have anything to do with outside forces such as drugs or addiction or, poverty or or health or mental health or anything of of that sort but i have seen in my personal life the the situations that birth parents are not the best fit for the child and they realize it and god bless them for doing that because they're putting their own child into a better situation to give it more possibilities in life itself and that's what my husband and I are doing with our two kids that we adopted at birth. I was the birthing partner for both of them. And I, I couldn't have asked for a bigger blessing in my entire life. Just watching these kids grow and 
and knowing that they are in a much better place than either one of their birth parents could provide to them. So it's the whole adoption thing. At that time and at that age, the character's age was very young and, and unaware, but there was also the element of, this is a child. This is not about, what's the cool thing to do? Do I keep the baby even though I'm not fit? Or do I give it up for adoption? And all of the emotional turmoil that goes behind the actual act of giving up the child and handing it over. There was a scene when she hands the baby over to Bobby for the final time, saying it was never meant to be. Yes. And the baby cries. And it, in that scene, the, there was no intention of, now cue the baby to cry. That baby doesn't read scripts. And, and the director wasn't saying, okay, well, now what can we do to make the baby cry? But I was in the moment, and the baby sensed it, and the baby cried. Yes. And that was one of those one of those rewards that comes through of being in the moment. If you're in the moment, something so innocent as a child, if you're angry, it can scare the child. Not that your intent is to scare the child, but a a nice surprise that adds emotion to the scene is the baby crying, which we had, we did not expect at all. In fact, most babies on set everybody's doing everything to keep the baby from crying because you don't want the crying to impede upon the scene or take away from the scene. The point of the scene needs to be made. At this point, the moment was real. Nobody was stopping the baby from crying. Nobody was pinching the baby or doing anything inhumane to the baby. It was just the baby was feeling the emotions of the moment. And that was giving the baby up for real, for final, and saying, here you go. It was never meant to be. I really appreciate you sharing that moment very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Because you're right. I've actually watched that clip several times, TC. You know, I just... uh, Maybe my own experience of being adopted, which my grandparents Mm -hmm. didn't just raise me, TC. They actually adopted me. And for years, I actually thought they were my real biological parents. And it was a very big Uh shock when I found out that they were not. But it didn't change the fact that they were mom and dad to me. And in my heart still remained that. And But that scene, that moment with the baby crying, I was thinking the same thing Mm -hmm. that you described so wonderful. Uh, And that is, wow, that just added a whole nother dimension to that scene. Obviously, no one can make that baby cry. But the fact that it did at that moment... Boy, it really, really adds a lot to that scene. Yeah, it's it, it wasn't, nobody was saying, okay, what can we do to make this baby cry? The babies are innocent. Babies might feel it, they might not. But if you're powerful enough and if, you're, if your emotions are, I mean, my, my energy level is quite high. So if I'm sad, there's a lot of sadness around me. <laughs> if I'm happy, there's a lot of happiness around me. If I'm mad, there's a lot of madness around me. So it's it, it's kind of hard to keep my energy at bay, and it's very easy for a baby to pick up on that. I can I be the baby wrangler if they need one. I just make the baby giggle until, you know, pees in its diaper. 
but it, there's there's a, a point of of feeling the energy and being in the energy and and feeling the moment and on the the snow day that was 120 pages I'll never forget if I didn't know the character those lines wouldn't come out of my mouth because I had to look them over once and twice before I got in front of camera and we rolled and I was just going with it. I had to be in the moment, every single moment. Those writers had to know their stuff and know the character better than I did to know what words would come out of that character's mouth. So it was, it was a very uh, in sync relationship between me studying the character living and breathing the character and being in the moment on stage and, and doing my studying, doing my rehearsals, not only running lines with the other actors, but listening to the other actors. What are they saying? Because if I react off what they're saying, these lines are not difficult unless it's bad writing, which we never had bad writing on all my children. We had excellent writing. So it was very easy for these words to flow out of my mouth. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, such a talented uh, writing team, uh, uh, no doubt about it, and production value and tremendously talented cast. And, of course, Agnes Nixon, uh, the producer and creator of the, of that show and also other daytime uh, dramas. I mean, what an honor it must have been for you to be on a show that uh, is so iconic and regarding uh, daytime television. Oh, I loved her. She was just... She was, every word that came out of her mouth was, it, it, it should have been labeled in gold. She, she certainly didn't speak a whole lot, but what words did come out of her mouth were words that are just unforgettable and should be on billboards everywhere. It was like she was this philosopher that uh, knew exactly what was going on inside every single person, not just character-wise. I mean, she knew you as a, as a human. She watched you. She listened to you. She studied you. And when she spoke to you, you knew she knew you as a human. And she also knew every single character. So she was amazing. It's when you have very little time with somebody and then you discover that they know so much about you personally, it's one of those moments that you say, I now have that much more respect for this woman. She took the time to get to know every single cast member. She wouldn't reel off like, I know you have six brothers and sisters. I know you were born in San Francisco. I know you, you know, she didn't say stuff like that, but you knew that she knew a lot more about you just in the words that she did say to you. Any conversation, it's like there's stuff that I, I knew only about her from reading from her and talking to other people, but I felt like she knew me more than I knew her by far. And she'd been around for a while, and there's a lot of material that you can read up on Agnes Nixon about the how and why and, and what she's done and what she's accomplished and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and yet she knew more about me. That's pretty darn incredible. It's called doing your homework. It's called really doing your homework. She was a good example of doing your homework. And she wasn't even in front of the camera. She wasn't reading lines or doing any of that. But she, she was one of the 
best examples of a good executive producer. An executive producer hires the right people to do their job and then lets them do it, but knows how to do it. Absolutely. And she reminds me of another daytime legend, a storyteller, a master storyteller. I've often told people um, a man who was passionate about what he was doing. And just like you described the way you described her, it reminds me of William J. Bell, Bill Bell, of The Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. Yeah. She was to her shows what he was to his shows. And my respect for each is just um, so high. Yeah, the um, Bell is above and beyond and stronger than ever. I mean, just sits on top of a mountain with all of the knowledge. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who who knows exactly what they're doing, exactly what they want to convey, how they want to convey it, and do it effectively with everybody wanting to contribute. There isn't one level of any level of resistance. There's no whiners. There's no complainers. There's only people on YNR that have a big smile on their face and hugely honored to be part of that show. That's what's one of the impressive things about daytime. And, you know, a lot of these people recognize they don't, like I said before, there's really no room for egos in this. They will all say this is a collaborative effort. It's not because of one person. Um, in, in the daytime world, a lot of the, the writers and producers and directors will go from one to the next to the next to the next. And the reason why is because they're all so extremely talented. Under Bell, if you look through how many years, 50 years now, that daytime has been in effect. Am I right on that? I think that you are correct. Under that, there there has been, you look at the talent, and they go uh, across the board. It's an honor to be on One Life to Live, to the YMAR, the um, Days of Our Lives, to the, uh, even back to Loving, to, you know, I mean, once yes. once you've been on there and, and you've been approved and you've gotten a good remark, you haven't been, I don't know, kicked by the wayside, whatever. You've shown your effort, and you know what it's like to be humble and a hard worker. Then you can become you become eligible to become part of the team, such as on YNR and, and and stuff like that. And these writers also have written for various others. I've seen head writers go from one show to the next to the next. And and what's even more difficult on their level? I'm just playing one character. Can you imagine being the writer who's writing for all of these characters? How much homework do they have to do? That is extensive. And to be able to try... Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to be able to to think what's going to happen down the road. Not only that, but then just try try to imagine what it's to like to write and write well for all of these characters. How do they sit back and and create the words that are going to come out of this character's mouth? I mean, mine had a lot of dynamic, but all, for all of these characters, these writers have gone from one show to the next. The executive producers have gone all over this. Felicia Bear has has done numerous shows. You talk about the Bells. Uh, I mean, everybody. 
everybody, William Broderick, Megan McTavish. There's so many people that have, they, they have not only done just one show. It's not a one-stop shop. When you go into daytime, you are setting an example for a possibility, if, if accepted, to go into yet another one. And they're all on the exact same level, the extreme, top-notch, high professional people and daytime is, is never forgotten. And then the other thing is about daytime is that your audience, your fans, your viewers are just as important as your performance on the show because you are in their living room every day. And that is, you don't build a stronger fan base. You don't build a stronger following by doing one film. The fan base is in daytime is strongest, most supportive I have ever seen in my entire life. And giving back to them is, is just as important as doing your homework for the character. All the producers, writers, and directors, they all recognize this. They all recognize the following and, and the fact that a lot of the daytime people respond directly to their fans. Yes. So there's there's a very thin line between the fans and, and the actors, and keeping that relationship going is part of what um, Lisa Rodrigo and All My Promotions does on the PR side of, of the business. She handles that, and she handles the fan club, and I make sure that it is free for all the, the people to join. Um, to keep it all in check, that without them, this is nothing. Why is a show so successful? Why is it ongoing for 50 some odd years? Because of the viewers, because of the fans. If they weren't there, there would be no show. Absolutely. And, and the fans are so loyal um, on daytime. And um, it is a two-way street. Absolutely. Yes, and, yes. Um, and this fan club, would you like to uh, share with those out there that might uh, be interested in discovering your fan club? Absolutely. You can go to All My Promotions, All My Promotions with Lisa Rodrigo, and she, she hosts the fan club. It does not cost anybody anything to join. We do have fun games and contests and, and communication interaction with me directly. And uh, it's, it's been going on for several years. And, again, Lisa Rodrigo is the president of the T.C. Warner Fan Club through allmypromotions.com. Well, she has been a delight to uh, work with um, leading up to this interview, and I'd like to take the time to thank her now. And I really appreciate um, uh, her time and assistance very much. Oh, I appreciate her to the moon and back. <laughs> well, let me ask you, did you happen to have a lot of scenes with David Canary? I didn't. I, you know, upon his passing, I it was very, very sad. Phenomenal guy. What a wonderful career he had and what an honor to work with him. I certainly didn't have front burner storylines with him. My scenes with him were... Uh, much shorter in comparison to the other cast, like with uh, with Kelly and and all the others. But um, behind the scenes, a lot of where the connections with the other actors happened is where we ran in. 
such a sweet, loving guy, um, good sense of humor, and he was he was just a calm, peaceful soul. He was, and he did have a good sense of humor. He was one of those that would tell a joke and have everybody laughing without intending to tell a joke. He wouldn't preempt <laughs> it with, now I'm going to tell a joke. Right. He would say something very slight and, and calm and proper, and all of a sudden everybody's just in stitches. A truly talented man, no doubt about it. Yes, a huge loss. I was very saddened when I learned about his passing, and um, I have a lot of respect for all of his accomplishments and work. And he had double duty, didn't he? Not just one character, he had he two. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Uh, even if you were not, let's say, familiar with All My Children, uh, TC, if you watch a scene with him portraying both characters, it almost felt like there really was two actors because he was so different in each role. Absolutely. I, I, you know, just outside looking in, it looked like he actually did have a twin. And, and normally in that circumstance, there would be a twin. Yes. But there is no twin. There is only one him. Only one David. Only one David Canary, no doubt about it. And is there another cast member on that show that you felt extra challenged with? I, I'm sure in general they all did in their own unique ways, but is there someone that, that in particular that just kind of stands out in your mind? You know, it, I don't know that challenge would be the word. I would say there's, there's a lot of cohesive elements that uh, support-wise was very important for me because this was me coming from never being in daytime, not even having uh, one small role in daytime to even know what that, that environment looks like. And I know Kelly Ripa was really, really supportive. And she just, any question I had, she'd say, come here, I'm, I'm going to help you. Let me show you this. Let me show you that. Come here, go here, go do this, do that. And, and everything that I even thought I didn't know how to ask, she had an answer to. She knew the show. She knew the people. She knew how everything was laid out. And Eva LaRue and John Callahan and, uh, I mean, everybody was so humble on that show. And, and I, I, I had to learn what it was like to really be a team player in that environment. And that's where I, I really got into a mode of I enjoyed the team effort. And it was a strong balancing act because no one team member gave less than the other. Everybody gave their 100%. So it, it, unlike real life where if you're in a team environment, you're going to have one or two slackers that expect the rest of the team to pick up the pace. In this, nobody dropped the ball. Everybody was on, on point and just ready to go and gave 100% all the time. Running lines. I was in a lot of scenes with, with John and Eva. And, uh, and, and there wasn't one time that I ever remember, doesn't matter how bad the headaches were or how sick you were, that camera was rolling. And I remember times when maybe Eva had the, a cold or something and she was pushing through and giving it her all and you couldn't even tell on camera this girl was just sick as, as ever and, and standing upright. <clears throat> Most people would have called into work sick. She, there is no calling into sick. <laughs> in daytime <laughs> no. 
you you are there, and and that camera is rolling. And if you're not in front of it, neither is your character. So it it's it was just a a lot of support. And the first person that really just took my hand and said, "This is how we roll," was Kelly Ripa. Um, and there was and John and Eva were my my two backbones. I had lots of scenes with them, running lines with them at very late hours and very early hours in the studio and um, Teresa Blake and Chris Bruno and Michael Knight, um, you, you name it. All of these people gave equally. If they were in the scene, they were given their 100% as well. There wasn't one slacker on that show. Not one. And, and the results of, of the performances backs up everything you just said. The high quality of the performances and the writing, all of it. Um, it all, it yeah. all comes from hard work and passion. And, and you were a part of that experience. And the soap operas were extremely popular throughout the 90s. Not that they aren't now. But, I mean, uh, the 90s, I, I think they, it really started to rise in popularity. There were so many shows mm-hmm. on all three networks at the time. Mm-hmm. And now we don't have yeah, any left standing. Well, and I, you know, for one reason or another, but they're still standing. They sure are. Don't forget that. They we sure still are. Have, they're uh, standing strong. They sure are. Genoa City is alive and well, for example, over on The Young and the Restless. And, of course, The Bold mm-hmm. and the Beautiful is a worldwide phenomenal hit. Um, and, uh, you know, Days of Our Lives, um, General Hospital, they're still there. They're still alive. And that really says something about uh, the type of programming that they offer to viewers, that, that they're still standing after all of these decades. Absolutely. You've got to be strong to stay, right? That's right, and and let's fast forward now, and first of all, thank you for sharing such wonderful memories and perspective. I uh, truly enjoyed it. Uh, it's just a, 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 so um, joyful listening to you uh, share all of this with me and the listeners today. And um, So the last uh, few years, I noticed that you uh, appeared on, for example, Breaking Bad, and, and, and what was it like uh, uh, working on that show? So I played a, a recurring role of a pediatric, a head of pediatric a nurse, and that was interesting because I'm, a, I admire people in the medical profession. I really do. It's a whole lot more than just wanting to help and heal in, in the medical world. There's a whole lot of other attributes that um, I, I can say I'm not strong at. But I had to do a little bit of research to try and get some strength in, and, and that is dealing with the needles or the, or the blood. And I know it's all fake and this and that and the other, but it, it's, still, it's still an aspect of it. And playing a nurse, um, that, was, that, was, that was real acting. I, uh, I've very little uh, knowledge on the medical world, and um, I was lucky enough to to play this role on Breaking Bad and work with Vin- Vince Gilligan. And I've, I've just been absolutely lucky to be able to work in Santa Fe. And it's, they brought the character back in Better Call Saul. So I've, I've, got, I've gotten the luxury of 
working with all these great people, and and it's a recurring role. It could come back. It hasn't come back in in quite a while, but it's a it's a recurring role. So it gives me the flexibility. I'm not locked in a contract or working daily on that, and I still can focus on my my kids. And um, pretty soon, my time will be freed up to be able to take on longer, more demanding roles. But that one playing a nurse was was pretty phenomenal for me. It wasn't um, it, it wasn't something that I had ever done before. So I, I thought I'd played almost all the roles, but lo and behold, no, <laughs> never played that one. <laughs> well, yes, no doubt. And research, researching the background of a character yes. is, is really fun, isn't it, TC? Because even though you can't say, okay, I'm a real nurse now, but you learn and, and have more of a bigger appreciation for those individuals based on your own personal research. Yes, and the research that I did was, you know, these, these nurses, I'm not, I'm not good around needles and blood and, and stuff like that or people in pain. I'm, I'm, I have a hard time looking at my own stub toe. But, right. and I know, trust me, I know my kids are skinning their knees and, and banging themselves in stitches oh. and stuff like that. And, and I still, you know, I still have a hard time with that. But my husband's a good partner in crime. He knows that when I start to see blood, I start to turn even more white than I am. Um, oh, my. And he knows, he knows where to, to pick up the, the ball when, when, when that happens. But these people in the medical world are not just focusing on what the answer to the problem might be. They're, they have so many other elements of the cleanliness down to hand sanitizing to where are the needles stored, what kind of uh, tape needs to be on hand, what happens when this happens. I mean, so many other levels that exist and so much training that goes on that even just playing this nurse, I, I had to go in and, and really research, look at the classes that the nurses take, look at how, how long they have gone through school, what they have studied, and stuff like that. Not just the words that the nurse is saying in the hall or help moving the scene along. No, there's a whole other element to being a nurse other than that. And I always did have an admiration for the nurses and doctors because I take them for granted. I'm not going to be poking my, my kid with the, the um, immunization shot. Oh, no way. No way. Right. But they do, and they've done it a million times, and they're completely comfortable with it while I'm turning gray <laughs> in the skin. Well, no wonder you look so comfortable in this in this role, because I that's one of the first things that jumped out to me is that you honestly, based on my on my opinion, you honestly appeared like a character that really was a nurse and had been doing this for years and years. You just had that look and mannerism. So well done. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. uh, That comes from doing the studying, doing. What is this character? It doesn't matter if you have one line. It doesn't matter if you're the star of the show. Every character has a background. And every character came from somewhere, did a lot to get to where they are. What did they do? How did they feel? What did they accomplish? What did they fail at? What did they this and that and the other? Every single character, whether it's one word or, in fact, no words, they all have a character. Absolutely. 
It's all very important, no doubt about it. And Well, I'll tell you what, this has just been such a true delight and joy, and uh, I've enjoyed it so much. And what are your uh, future plans? But I'd like to add something to that. Would you consider returning to daytime because you seem to have a lot of passion for the medium? Absolutely. I would have no hesitation in going back. The uh, my children are um, they're they're not infants now. They're certainly not college bound, but um, they're at the age where uh, some more time is becoming available on my plate to allow for the acting. So um, as of now, yes, I absolutely would. I would be honored to go back and do daytime in a heartbeat and work with such fabulous people. I would be honored. I had a feeling you were going to answer that way, and I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't that something? And uh, I will have to say that um, I want to wish you the best on all of your future projects, whatever that might be. And I think your children are very fortunate to have someone who encourages using your imagination so much. And and all that you're doing out of love. It's just absolutely wonderful. And um, I just want to wish you all the best in, in the future. And, and thank you for sharing so much with me today. Well, thank you. And thank you for spending so much time with me today. And I wish you nothing but the best. Well, it's my pleasure and my honor. I really appreciate it. Uh, I did want to ask you before we uh, wrap things up, uh, TC. So does that actually mm-hmm. stand for anything in particular? <laughs> So interesting that this is the last question that you ask me. <laughs> it's usually the first. Instead of the first. <laughs> um, right, right. No, it doesn't stand for anything. It, I it's, see. it's TC, Victoria, Warner, Stratton. Starts out with two letters, ends up being a novel, but it's really just TC. Well, I thought this would be a good time to, to save that question for was at the very end. So um, there yeah. you go. I'm oh, glad I'm a little you. different then. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. I I absolutely enjoyed it, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. 